0: All right, everyone, this is my Bible. Bible. I believe it's God's word. I word. I I believe every word is true. And it's all that I need. Well, you have said that probably over 30 times this year, so I hope every time you've said it, you're getting more and more convinced. So we've been on quite a journey. We've been on quite the road with Jesus, you know, from the first time he was in Gethsemane, you know, when he was praying and he said to his disciples, you know, why did you fall asleep? You know, why? You know, pray that that you don't fall into temptation. And, you know, we, we saw something, we discovered something very important, is that they were they were exhausted from sorrow and we need to remember that sometimes when our life just seems to sink into the 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 down because you know that's what life does sometimes, and we get discouraged because it doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go, and all these reasons. But when you you can be exhausted from sorrow, and sometimes it's just easy to sleep, and then you don't have to deal with it. And look what Jesus said. He says, "Get up, you get up." That's not how you deal with tough tough times. You get up and you pray that you don't fall into yourself because that's what temptation is. You know, you fall back into yourself. So that was such a good point. And then, you know, of course... You know, we see, you know, Jesus having to go through that betrayal, you know, with Judas and the kiss and, and then, of course, in front of um, Pilate and Herod and, and the religious leaders. And, but, you know, one thing I never want to forget is that Jesus, in the roughest of times, he always knew what to say and when to say it and when to be quiet and when to just plain stand there. And and you know then when we we saw how he um, kept that walk and even though Simon of Serene had to take the crossbar and 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 carry it and and we know what Jesus had been through and we can just about imagine from Isaiah fifty three you know you couldn't even recognize him he was so beat to a pulp and and there he is you know walking his way to Calvary and. And you think to yourself, you know, to be able to look at all the people that had, you know, between the Romans that are mocking and the chief priests who are screaming crucify him, you know, the, the religious leaders, like, he never, never, you know, sometimes it's the people that you least expect that hurt you the worst sometimes. And, you know, to know that at that time when things couldn't have been any worse, he says, Father, just forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because he understood that this is the way human behavior is this is what self-centeredness looks like and so when he said father they don't even realize because they don't have you they don't have they don't they don't have us in their hearts and and when we, it's only when we have jesus and when we have the, have his spirit working in us are we going to be able to live our lives more than what we could ever imagine or think and We'll get to that point but then you know we see how how exciting it was you know when it comes to the empty tomb and all but Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus that was such a good part too because it just showed that that there were a few of the sin heaters, few of the council that just did not go along with this you know, and here we read Joseph. He's watching for the kingdom of God. He he is anticipating. He gets it. And we know Nic- Nicodemus, he went searching too. And so the, these two, I think they became fast friends, and they stuck together. And so when it came to taking the body of Jesus down, you know, Nicodemus probably has the money. He, he buys 75 pounds of spices knowing that's what we got to do. So, you know, they quick take the body down, they wrap him in these spices and, and in, the, in the linen, and they quick get him into the, the empty tomb that has never had anybody in it before. And it's like, who could we it in time? You know, the Sabbath rules were very important. And in the meantime, you know, you have these women who are watching to see which grave it's in because they have a pretty good feeling they're going to have to be back and do it right you know, men just probably didn't know how to quite do it right. You know, not the way in their minds. So, you know, they're going to come and after the Sabbath and have all the spices prepared and then they're going to come and, and just because they love Jesus so much, they want to make sure that even to the last part of, of this, even in his death, they want to have it all right. And so they're on their way to do all this, and you know they're just chatting away, figuring out, wondering how this is all going to work with that stone. And, And then there's the stone. It's not even rolled in front, and they go in. The body's not there. They're standing there wondering, and then two angels come. But the angels said to them, Why are you even... Why are you even confused? I mean, you know, we're going to see this again in this lesson. Jesus is going to say it to these these men or to this couple. You know, why in the world didn't you hear what I said? I said it many times. And so now as we get into this lesson, it's going to make more sense. Now that same day, this has been quite a day from the time last week when when the two women got up early and they went to the tomb now it's all in one day and these two are on their way home I know one's name is Cleopas but I don't know for sure but I'm just going to throw it out to you and say you know I think it's his wife because they went to one home. So I'm just kind of assuming it's a couple and they're both walking, you know, the same street, the same road, going to the same place. So I would dare say it's a couple. And they've had a long day. In fact, I think the way I perceive it is that they have been there for a few days. And they're on their way home. They're walking the, the street to Emmaus, and it's seven miles from Jerusalem. And I'm thinking, well, why did you leave? Why did you leave? It's the most exciting time. And I think the story is going to shed some light on why they left. And I think so often you give up. You you take a look at all what's transpired, and it's not at all the way you thought it was going to be, and so let's just go home. Let's just go home. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along. But they kept from recognizing him. They they were kept from recognizing him. And I think that can be a little confusing. They were kept from recognizing him. Now, it could be a number of reasons. And one reason, and this is what I had you answer, do you think it's possible that emotions can get bigger than our faith sometimes? You know, our feelings can get so wrapped up in our disappointment in, in what's happening that we just can't see what's right in front of our face. That sometimes we're even up so upset that it didn't go the way we wanted. And we asked so sincerely, and his answer was no. And then I think sometimes, do we get blinded from the fact that he's right there. He's ready to see us through these times, but you don't see him. He's he's right there. His word is right there. He wants to speak truth to you right there. And don't you get so caught up or it could also mean that, that Jesus doesn't want them to know that it's him just yet because he wants them to kind of fess up. He wants them to say what they're going to say. And so he's a, you know, he probably knows that if they know it's him, then they're not going to confess. They're not going to admit they're not going to see the mistake that they're making. And he wants to help them see this. So it could be whatever reason. I think it could be dual. It could be both reasons. Because we have to always remember that our faith it needs to stay bigger than our feelings. And I know that sometimes we, our pain is so great. But yet we never, never should should do a flip that we always, our faith, even in the midst of it, we believe that God is able, he's got a plan and a purpose, and all he asks is that we trust him so he's going to teach these two this lesson so they were talking and discussing and Jesus just kind of gets right there by him and and when the the conversation was right you know this is just exactly what I was saying before Jesus just knew how to get a conversation going and he knew just what to say few words and you know I don't think this was abnormal at all that 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 Someone just joined them. You know, they, they walked everywhere. So, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe somebody was going to come join them because they were going to go in the same direction for a while. And so then they, they just start a conversation. So I don't think that that was abnormal, that, that they would have thought anything of. No, I think that that, that that just would happen. So at the right time, Jesus simply asks, you know, what, what are you discussing together? You know, it's just like you can almost say, you know, I I watched you, and boy, you were just talking away. You know, you mind me asking what what have you been talking about? And after he asked that question, look, it says they stood still. They stood still. It's like they stopped walking. And their faces were downcast they had faces that were downcast and i don't think i have to go and tell you a definition a dictionary definition of downcast i think it's so visual when you look at someone who's downcast their face is just it's it's just like there's no hope you know we've given up we've thrown in the towel and so their faces are downcast they stop and then Cleopas says to him, it's almost like, where have you been, buddy? You know, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? I mean, this is the talk of the town. This is, this is all that everybody's talking about. And then Jesus comes back with just, what things You know, what things? Do you not know the things that have happened here in the last few days? Well, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth. And then look how they describe Jesus. He was, was, past tense. He was a prophet so that means it's the same verb. So, and he was he was powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. So they called him, you know, past tense. He was a prophet, and, and he was so powerful. When he spoke, he talked with such authority, and. You can't even believe what he did. The power of his deeds. I mean, they were the lame was were walking, the blind were seeing. So you know, he they're trying to describe to Jesus, this was quite a man. And then you can tell that they're good Jewish people, because they said the Jew, the chief priest, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him, so they called they called the chief priests and our rulers, so they had such respect for the sanhedrin, the council, and then they said they handed him over, and he was crucified, and so. Guess and then he you know, I guess he wasn't who we- well who we thought what well, we had hoped, because they said, but we had hoped, and this is where you you can't help but hear the tone of their voice, so let down, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one, you know because they knew all the old Testament prophecies. However, this is what Jesus is going to come back with them on. But for right now, they're thinking, we had hoped that he was going to be that promised one that we have all been trained to be looking for. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. See, you can tell that they really didn't know him I mean even the disciples you know they're they they do not really know him yet I mean I think they're taken back by all what he can do and in in the power and I think they're they don't really know but you can tell that they don't think he's really the, the Messiah because otherwise they would they would known what the prophecy said and they would see that this is not the end When they said, we had hoped he would redeem Israel, I mean, that, they have no idea that that's, there could be a more truer statement. Jesus did come to redeem Israel. He came to redeem you and I, but he comes to redeem, they wanted the redemption from Rome, and he came far more to redeem us from our sin and from ourself and from judgment and from hell. And, So it's so much more than, see, all they want. And that's why you can tell they they are so self-consumed and so caught up. We we wanted to be uh, redeemed from Rome so that we could have an easier life, that we could be comfortable and happy. And we wouldn't have to be under their pressure so much. And uh, you can just hear it. Let's go home. Let's just go home. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. That's why I think that they were there for more than just this day. They had been there for a few days, and they watched it all you know, unfold, and he's gone, he, he's dead, he's in the tomb, let's go home. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body, then came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So they were a part, this couple here, they were a part of that crowd when the, when the women went and told, and, and told, you know, probably in all their excitement, and, and what was the reaction? They thought that it was a bunch of nonsense. So when it says here, they were apart. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions, which of course was Peter and John, went to went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Well, don't you think that... Even with what the women said and then finding Peter and John who admitted that it was just like the women said, don't you think they would just stick around? Let's investigate or let's let's check this out, let's wait and see if we, you know, find some more information. But instead, because they didn't see him, and I'm thinking, if that isn't humans, we just give up way too quick. When it didn't go the way we thought, let's just go home. That's my phrase tonight. It's so easy to do that. We didn't see him, so, you know, don't you you hear a little, don't you hear a word called doubt in here? Then he said to them, then he said, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I tell you, I don't, I don't think I would have wanted to hear that. Those aren't two compliments. So when Jesus looks at them after, you know, they think that they've got a beef. I mean, you know, they've got their words down. I mean, after all, you know, he, we thought he was really something. He was a prophet. And, you know, he, he was so powerful in his words and his deeds. And,. He'd so hoped he was the one, and you know, you can just so. So, they got it out, and I think Jesus wanted them to get it out. He wanted to hear them so caught up in themselves, and he waited it out. He waited till they kind of were done doing and had to admit that they had heard he was alive, but. I choose not to believe it. I didn't see it for myself, so... Jesus waited for all of that conversation. He waited for that to end, and then he comes back with, you're foolish. You know, he's calling them a fool, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe the prophets. You know, you are good Jewish people, and you know the scriptures, and you know the promises. And it all happened exactly the way the prophet said it would, and yet, how foolish and how slow of heart you are to believe! Did not, and he's trying to. Don't you remember? Did not the Christ have to suffer? Don't you remember that these words were said? They. This is why it's so important that you just don't, you know, you hear what you want to hear and then you plug your ears of things you don't want to hear. He's saying, doesn't it say that Christ has to suffer these things and then enter his glory? This is the way it's all been prophesied. This is the way it's happening. Verse 27, this is where I think, oh my word, if I was these two people. I think he now gives them the greatest Bible study that ever happened. And I would have given anything to been a part of this, to be able to hear Jesus. Start with Moses, and I think it was already to Genesis, because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So he's going to start at the beginning, and he's going to remind them that the whole Old Testament is... It's Jesus promised. And that he stands there now, total fulfillment of all those promises. And so he's going to, I don't know how long this took, but it says here that, and, the, and, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Okay. You know, you've been foolish and you're slow of hard to believe. All right, I think you need, I think you need some Bible study. I think we need to go back and you need to see how all of the Old Testament has been your promised savior. And if you really did believe what you were what you were learning and studying, you would see, here I am. So he started, and I wrote a few things down just to, just to kind of point out how, how important that verse 27 really is and how for those two people, they had Jesus right there and to be able to have him say what he's going to say. I mean, even in the same chapter as the fall, you start seeing Jesus when, when we're explained that he is the seed of a woman, he's going to be the seed of a woman. And then, and then, how in Genesis twelve, when, when God comes to Abraham, it says, "I've chosen you, Abraham. I've chosen you to, to have descendants as many as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. You're going to begin this nation." That will then bring the Savior. I'm starting a covenant with you. I am promising you that through you a Savior will be born. You'll be the Father of Nations. And then, and then there's when we get when we do Genesis, there'll be a chapter, and you've heard of the name Melchizedek. But when we study, you will see that that Jesus is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So, you know, after doing Luke, I think we're really going to enjoy Genesis because now we're going to be watching for for Jesus in so many ways, in so many times. When when Jacob wrestled, Jesus, the incarnate Christ, was the, the man that wrestled with Jacob. Jesus was the lion of Judah. And when we study the story of Jacob's sons, and we get to the son Judah and the experience that he had with Tamar, and I mean, it's just unbelievable how he will allow his son to come through humans and the line of Judah when we're such sinners. I mean, we're going to see grace with a capital G, even though the word isn't even mentioned, but it is sheer grace. And then then we're going to watch as we transition into the story of Moses, because the voice in the burning bush, the voice in the burning bush, and, and that voice now is telling Moses, you are the one now that's been chosen, to to deliver my people out of Egypt. And other than the actual deliverance of Jesus on the cross for us, I'll tell you what, this is the greatest deliverance story there is. When you you listen to this story of Exodus, it is amazing how detailed it does describe the future of how Jesus is going to die. And and Jesus is the Passover lamb. So in Exodus, we learn about the Passover lamb and, and how that Passover lamb, Well, we just studied this a couple of weeks ago, how when Jesus had his last supper with, with his disciples and how he was going to show them how the transition of the Passover, because he's now the Passover lamb, He and he's going to do it once, and he's going to pay for it all in one time. And so they'll never have to do this lamb and the unleavened bread. They'll never have to do that again because now it's going to be the Lord's Supper. So as much as he told Moses, and you pass this on, you make sure that your children know the story. You make sure that they know that they, they have a God that loves them so much and will deliver them. You pass this on. Then he pretty much does the same thing to to the disciples, even though now it's not going to be called Passover, it's going to be called the Lord's Supper. Now I want you to pass this on to the next generation. Make sure that your children know that this little bread that we eat, it it is symbolic of the body that was broken, my body that was broken for you. And this juice, it is symbolic of the blood every little drop of my blood was shed for you. You make sure they know that That's called deliverance. Deliverance from Egypt for us. Jesus was our deliverer from sin. Otherwise, we would still be lost. Well, and also, Jesus was the prophet greater than Moses. Jesus was the captain of the Lord's army to Joshua. He was the kingsman redeemer in the story of Ruth. Ruth. He's the son of David, who was a king greater than David. He and we talked about that when Jesus kind of threw that back. Yeah, how does that work when when David calls him son because he is the son of David, yet David calls him Lord? You know, he that's what Jesus said. Think about that. That's our Jesus. And then this, and when you study the Psalms, you study Psalm twenty-two. And you would think, and that's hundreds and hundreds of years prior, but you would think that Psalm 22 was the crucifixion story. And when you study Psalm 23, when you hear it, it's just one of those precious psalms, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. And what did we learn? Jesus is the shepherd. He is the shepherd of the sheep who know his voice, who he expects to follow expects them to follow. And then in Proverbs, we know Solomon wrote Proverbs, but he is the the most wise man. But why? Because God said to him, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. And so God gave him wisdom. But every word that you read in the book of Proverbs, that is That is Jesus helping us, instructing us how to live. Jesus is the lover in the Song of Solomon, He is the Savior in Isaiah 53. And I I love this one. He is because I think this was so good when we studied Daniel. Jesus is the princely Messiah of Daniel when Daniel talks about God's kingdom and how the only way it's going to happen is because of a Savior. Every earthly kingdom is going to go down. And right now a kingdom is being erected that we are a part of that will never, never end. So this is what Jesus did to these two people. I mean, He started, and you know I, I don't know how long that took me to do that, and that's just touching the surface of just a few, and it's that Jesus went from, from Moses writing the first five books of the Bible all the way through the prophets to remind them to show them, look it, it's all there. And as they approached the village, so whether, you know, they were just, he was talking as they were walking. I bet that was the quickest seven miles that those two ever walked. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted. Now, that's a good good word. Jesus acted like that he was going to go on he he wanted them. Remember how Jesus says, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. And he has got them thinking. And so now they've gone to the crossroads here. And Jesus acts like he's going because he wants them to ask and seek and knock for more. See, and, and that's why I think, too, it might have been that they he, Jesus didn't want them to know who who he was because a lot has to happen here for these two they've got to see themselves the way they really are these smarty pants Jewish religious people who knew a lot of facts? Who watched, you know, Jesus do, you know, do everything that he did? But they could not get to the point. And this is this is the hard part for Jesus. You of all people should have known because I just went through the whole Old testament for you, and it should have been so clear. So he's making them take a look at himself. And I'm saying that has never changed. Jesus will still make you. And I do that every time. He wants us to see ourselves. Tom and I were talking this week, and I think Tom, we were, you know, pretty much asking me, you know, because he was hinting with the fact that, you know, I say this often. And so I think the bottom line question really was, if you could have counted, how many times did you say, and we need to humble ourselves and take that walk to the cross. In the course of this year, how many times did you say that? And I know I said it every week, and I'm sure maybe that went through your mind, like, boy, she doesn't know how to quit with that line. But I think it's the greatest line there is. Because that's the, this essential line that every one of us needs to come to grips with our need of a Savior. So that means we have to see ourselves, and we have to take a humbling walk, because you can't walk to the cross and feel like that you really don't need it, but it's part of the, what you must have to do. No, he knows our heart attitude. He wants to see it's broken. A broken, contrite heart, David said, is what the Lord desires. So we have to walk to the cross that way. And some of us, you know, being raised in this town or being raised in church or whatever, you know, I think we just got to keep going back to that. And, you know, we go humbly to the cross, and not just for salvation, but now when, when our faith falters or when we veer off course or when self seems to start taking over our faith, The best place to go is to the cross because that's where you and I are reminded of what transpired there for our behalf. It does humble you. So even though Jesus was kind of acting like he was going, but sure enough, and I think, I think he had a little smirk on his face because maybe he even kind of walked ahead and acted like he was going to keep going. And, and like uh, I always think Jesus has these little smirks on his face when he's got plans. And, and so then when the, when the couple says, oh, please, they urge, they urge Jesus, oh, please, would you come and stay with us? You know, after hearing that Bible study, do you think, do you think for a second that they wanted it to stop? I know for me, I would just want it to continue. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I look at the clock during a Bible study or afterwards, and I think, where did that time go? You know, it just it just flies sometimes. I mean, there are times that I think, oh, I just love to keep going. We're on a roll. Let's keep going. But that's, that's the, what he wants. I think that's why blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You want more. And Jesus wanted to hear them say, "I want more." He knows that they're starting; their heart is starting to soften. Because I, I, don't know about you, but in those first few verses, when you hear their, when you see their face downcast, when you hear the way they're talking, yeah, this you just know Jesus is saying, "Oh man, we've got to do something about that heart." They, they weren't. They weren't seeing the truth when it was right before them. So Jesus knows how to do it, and he did. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, I'm sure, you know, before it's been a long day, and I'm sure they're tired, but I'm sure they're hungry too. So when he was at the table with them, You know, this is the point of taking it slow because I never saw this before. So, yeah, Jesus is the guest in their home, right? He's the guest of their home. And usually, a guest usually waits for the host to serve. But it looks like Jesus just grabbed that bread. And so, you know, I'm sure it wasn't an egotistical grab, but he he was he was on a roll. He was he had this all planned. And so when he was at the table with them, he took bread. And I'm sure it was a gesture that maybe they looked and thought, whoa. He took the bread. And then not only did he take the bread, he started to pray. He wasn't even asked. He started to pray. And can you imagine? I bet they opened their eyes because I'm sure when they heard Jesus give thanks, they had never heard anything like that before. So, you know, between hearing that great Bible study and not wanting it to end and then to watch Jesus with all confidence and authority take that bread and break it and then give thanks and pray like they had never heard. But I think this was the clincher. When Jesus handed them the bread, he began to give it to them. With what? The two hands. The two hands that probably have the scars. Not probably. They do. Because that's the only thing in heaven that's going to be taken from this earth that they will always be reminders to us of what he's done for us. So, I mean, Jesus breaks the bread. He prays. He, he starts to give it to them, and they see it. They take the bread. They can't help but see those hands. Then, then their eyes were opened. Why did, why did all of a sudden their eyes open then? You know, why does that happen? Why does that happen when, when you are studying and you want to learn and you want to know what that means and you're you're sitting there and you're wondering, you're pondering on it, and then it comes, what opens your mind? What opened their eyes to recognize him? I think when all of a sudden you let yourself guard down because right there you know in the previous verses they were headstrong they were disappointed they were disappointed in Jesus because they didn't get what they wanted i want my life easier and i want to be comfortable we put up with this long enough and so when they finally let that attitude down and they were willing their eyes were opened. So sometimes when we don't see clearly, when we, when we just are confused and maybe even angry and, and falling into that self-mode of disappointment and despair and hopelessness and let's just go home attitude, you're not going to see them. You're not going to see him. He probably is right there in front of you because he promised he would be. His word is right there. But no, I don't feel like opening it now. I don't feel like hearing the Lord say to me, I formed you. I've created you. I understand what you're going through. You're mine. I've summoned you by name. And when you go through these times, I'm there. But I don't want to hear that. But when you're willing to let your guard down and you want help, you, you are desperate and you desire to want to hear from him. Oh. Their eyes were open. See, did, the song that we sang tonight, did you, did you hear that writer really, as simple as the song is, it says, open my eyes, Lord, I want. I finally want to see Jesus. I've come to that point where it's not about me. I want to see Jesus. So open my ears. You know what? I want to hear you. That's called spiritual growth. I'm getting past myself because I know you're the one that can feed me the truth and what I need So they recognized him, and he disappeared just like that. That must have been another, whoa. I mean, he just disappeared just like that. Verse 32, and even though Jesus disappeared, I know he heard this, and this is what he has been wanting to hear. He, he wants to hear them say, "We're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They're finally confessing, Why do we see this? What is the matter with us playing religion and yet the Messiah was right here? That's called confession. Verse 33, you know that when Jesus takes a hold of of your life when he you know that between verses 32 and 33 all of a sudden they are convinced i say they're saved they believe and and you know that's a tricky word because even even the devil believes and his his little you know his people they believe because they've watched They've watched Jesus do it. And and Judas, yeah, Judas believed. He walked and saw everything too. So what's the difference between that the devil and Judas believe and our belief? It's a huge difference. They didn't do anything with it. They believed, but they didn't do anything with it. That's why this is a relationship that takes two. We believe that Jesus is who he is. Then our part is in the relationship to do something about it. We believe and now we let him change our life. So it gets the big, the big you know, test is how can I tell if I have real belief or if I just have religion belief? Or if I have the kind of belief that Satan and Judas had? Has it changed you? Do you see anything different in your life? from the time that you confessed Jesus as your Savior and you took that humble walk to the cross, and that when that moment happened, did, did you see anything? Have your eyes been opened to see that? I don't say what I used to say. I don't act the way I used to act. Um, there's just changes because it is no longer I. It is the fruit of His Spirit. It's the character of Jesus. Every day, every day it's a process, and it should be a little bit more all the time that we see this transition. Look at verse 33. Whatever happened in the white space between verse 32 and 33, it was dramatic and it was real. Because they got up and after a long day and seven miles already, they turned right around and returned at once to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and they came in. I would just say this couple in unison. I bet they went in there because it says th- three words. They started with three words. It is true. Exclamation point. And then they went on to explain. But they got their attention, I'm sure, bet all the eyes turned to them when they came in it is true. So they got everybody's attention and they said, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. I mean, what they're saying is exactly that. And then they went on to say what happened to them. They, they, they told how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Told them they probably went into detail about we're just walking along we thought we had a normal person just coming walking up with us and, and they probably told the whole story but we got it out we he wanted us to be able to admit where we were and we did not really believe and we were given up and he made us say it. And I bet they even said, and he called us foolish. He called us slow in our hearts to believe what well, we have learned from the prophets. How come you can't see it? They told and he probably they probably told him about, it. and boy, did we have a Bible study to remind us that Jesus is all through the Old Testament. Oh, but then, but then this is. It really it really took hold when we said we want you to stay and he stayed and so we were on the table and he picked up the bread and he broke it and then he gave thanks and you have never heard a prayer like that and then he served us and we saw the nail prints. What a story they told. You know, I couldn't help but just, you know, turn to um, John 20 because um, I saw and remembered a story of, well, John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side. I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house and Thomas was with him. And and though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. You know, we've said that. Jesus did come to bring you and I peace because of our acceptance of who he is into our life. I mean, when you know Jesus and you know your future is secure and you know that he's got a plan and you know that he's got the whole world in his hands and you know he's in total control, even Satan's got to ask permission. When you know that, when you know that his sacrifice is complete and perfect and you never have to doubt again, He does give you peace. That is a peace that you can't explain. You know, since when we went into ministry, I wanted a little phrase that that would kind of express what we were going to do. Because when this information would get in people's hands, you know, who is she? And I wanted them to know what I stood for. And my little phrase was, "Jesus can't be explained. He's got to be experienced." You know, I will come and I will do my best to try to explain him to you I, so that you will get excited to to go and and f- discover him on your own. I will do my best to explain him, but he really can't be. It's just a generated curiosity that you will go to his word and you will find out for yourself. Because when you experience, I mean just look at these two. Look what look what happened. They knew all the hard, cold facts, but when they experienced them personally, Paul changed everything. And He gives peace to each and every one of us when we find Him. But remember, He did say, "When I come into this world, I did not come to bring peace." He, you know, it's the kind of peace every. Everybody wants peace in the world, but it's impossible unless you personally know the Prince of Peace, the author of peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Unless you know that, that's why this world will never know peace unless 100% of every person accepts Jesus as their Savior. So he said, I didn't come to bring peace because I know that this gospel message is not going to be accepted by everybody. And that's, it's going to divide. It's going to divide families. It's going to divide relationships. It's going to divide friendships sometime. Because some are going to believe and some are not. They're going to call it nonsense. So, (laughs) But when they, but when Jesus came through those doors, those locked doors, and he said, peace be with you, then he looked at Thomas, and I can't even imagine what that must have been like. <laughs> Knowing full well of what he said to the, to the other ones. And then you have Jesus who, you know, says, peace be with you to everyone. And then he turns, and you know the looks of Jesus. He looked right at Thomas. When Thomas said, My Lord and my God, you know, after Jesus said, you know, okay, Thomas, put your finger here, put your hand here. Oh, that must have just been so hard. And and then to have Jesus say, You stop doubting, you stop it, and you believe. I think, there's no doubt, I know Thomas did believe, but then Jesus comes back with these words, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And he's talking to us, blessed. And and I always say, don't ever miss his blessings, because it's so far more than materialism. His blessings are redemption and grace and, and salvation and chosen and lavished with grace. And all those words are in Ephesians chapter 1 because we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. So we are not to doubt. Because when Jesus said, you know, peace be with you, in, back in Luke 24, verse 37, they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. So after after this couple told the story, Jesus himself stood among them. I mean, they were still fresh from the news, and Jesus comes in. They was startled, and they thought they saw a ghost. And then Jesus said, you know, like this, that same kind of thing. Why are you startled? Why do you... Why do you think you saw a ghost? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? See, that's why I couldn't help but go back to John, go forward to John 20, because to know that that we all have problems with doubt. And Jesus says, Stop it. Don't doubt. I want you to believe. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I. Touch me. That means, see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see it. You see, I have flesh and I have bones. Did you notice there was one thing that usually when you hear flesh, bones, and you hear flesh and blood, you know, and you wonder, how come blood isn't mentioned in here? I don't know, maybe it just wasn't. Maybe it's just as simple as, as that. But but you think about blood. I looked it up about what blood is for the body. And it, it is life. I mean, y- if you ever have a wound and you bleed out, you, you're dead. And and it's the blood that nourishes all the organs to make all the other things work. And And so blood is life. Could it be... Because Jesus shed that blood, it was sufficient, and so could it be that in our new bodies we don't need blood anymore? Because Jesus is our life, just like we won't need lamps and lights like Revelation says, because he is our light. Could it be we don't need blood in these bodies because he is our life? I don't know, it's just a thought. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, I I had trouble with that, and I'm going to explain it. And It's probably just semantics. It's just words. But I just wish that in, in the versions they didn't use the word joy. If they would have had happy or glad, oh, they were so glad and amazed. They were, they were so excited that Jesus wasn't dead. But it, it, it bothered me because it said, and while they still did not believe it, I'm sure that it's that same thing. It's, so, it's too good to be true, so, you know, I can't believe it. I don't want to be let down, you know, that kind of thing. But to use the word joy... It is the second fruit of God's spirit. In other words, you can't know real joy unless you have the spirit of God in you. And joy, Jesus said in John 14 that our joy is complete when we know him. So I don't see how we can think we have joy without a relationship with Jesus. So, I mean, I know it's just my thing, but ever since I have seen that happiness and joy are not synonyms, you can't use them in the same sense, in the same way. Joy is deep, it is Jesus, and I think we have verses to prove that. So, they really don't know joy yet. But Jesus knows and he's still got a little work to do here because he hasn't convinced them. So he then says, well, do you have anything to eat here? Now, you have to smile because, you know, Jesus loves this eating thing. They ate a lot. They were always eating. And then even you're going back to Luke's story of Mary and Martha, remember, you know, Jesus and Martha, Martha, you, you, you've just, you're just trying so hard to make it gourmet and fancy and everything When all we wanted was peanut butter and jelly. It really doesn't matter to us. Because your focus is off. They, they loved to eat, but it wasn't the food he was consumed with. He, it was the fellowship that they had, the fun that they probably had. I mean, even in Revelation, come on, it's going to be a wedding feast. We, the bride, married to the lamb, I mean, it's going to be quite the feast around the wedding table. So it, it does, this shouldn't surprise us when Jesus says, well, come on, you know, we've, we've, always, we've always ate together. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, hot off the coals, delicious. And he took it and ate it in their presence. <laughs> Judah went right down. And I'm thinking, boy, isn't that going to be kind of fun to know that our, our new bodies can still eat? Because let's face it, we all enjoy that. And and again, it isn't the food, it's what's going to happen when we are together around a table. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Just kind of another reminder, everything. I told you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And I know that can be troubling because you think, well, why didn't Jesus open their minds before? If this is what it means, it says that he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. What inhibits? Do you think that there's ever a time that when you're studying, do you think there's ever a time the Lord say, no, I don't really want her to know that. I mean, don't you really feel that he that's why he wrote the book, so that we would understand, that we would see how important it is to obey and to follow his instruction and to and to know his promises to get us through the day. He's not gonna keep anything back. So what does it mean? You know what? Who stands in the way? Who stands in the way of us really understanding? We we do it ourselves. Because self gets in the way and sometimes I just purposely say, no, I don't want to hear. Remember remember when Jesus didn't answer because he said, when they said, are you the Christ? I mean, we just had this a couple weeks ago and Jesus didn't answer. And when he did say something, he thought, he said to him, no, I've told you so many times and you don't believe me. So, He he absolutely wants us to know. But if we stand in the way, but you know what he could see? He saw, just like with this couple, he saw when things started, when they started accepting, when they started realizing, and all of a sudden, again, those self walls come down, and then Jesus can't wait. You know, I love the way that verse says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door shall be open." Did you notice that he expects us to do something first? You know, you have to ask. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. You, you've got to feel that this is desperate. You want, you're desperate to know what his, his opinion is on the subject And if you're willing to ask and you're willing to seek and you're willing to do your part and knock and he can see that, oh, he'll open your mind. It's amazing what you and I will discover. This is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You know what he's doing there? This is what he's laying out. This is your message, boys. (laughs) This is what I want you to be telling people. That the Christ will suffer, and you will say he did suffer, and rise from the dead, and he did rise from the dead on the third day, and this is what he expects. He expects repentance. Remember John the Baptist, Jesus, their first sermon, their first word of their first sermon was repent. So I want, I want you to preach that too. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. This is what I want you to do, men. Verse 48, you, you are witnesses of these things. You are going to be used to bring the gospel to the world because see, people have to know this is a whole new thing. You've got to be able to say, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I heard it with my own ears. That's going to be the authority that you stand on because they're going to believe you because you witnessed it. You saw it. It's your story. Your story is you were there. Your testimony is you saw the whole thing. You are witness of these things and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised See, he knows though that we in our, in our human nature, really as much as we might think we know, it has to be under the power of God's Spirit. And so, even though they've watched it, they believe it now, they, they, they're, they're, they're starting to change and they're, they're getting convinced and they're about ready to get sent off, he says, There's one more thing stay in the city. Until you have been clothed with power from on high. No, you don't have what it takes to change lives and hearts. You don't have that kind of power. You're the vessel. You're the avenue I'm going to use. But it is not going to go anywhere unless it is clothed and it is empowered with my spirit that I'm doing it through you. You know, the ascension was 40 days after the resurrection. And then after the ascension, and then when Pentecost, it was 10 days. So it was only 10 short days after the ascension that Jesus was going to show them what he meant here. But in the meantime, look, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his hands and blessed them. So he walked out of Bethany the town and he loves the Mount of Olives you know that and and so as he is starting to rise his mission is over he is now going back to where he came from he is blessing them he is he is blessing them he is kind of commissioning them because this is the great commission They are instructed, this is the message I want, and this is the spirit that I'm going to make sure you are clothed with to enable you. So while he was blessing them, he left them, and he was taken up into heaven. What a sight that must have been. Look how things have changed. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now that's the joy I'm talking about. That's the right usage of joy. They watched, they heard, they've been instructed, they've been commissioned, they know them. The the wheels are going. And other than the very act of the Spirit coming on Pentecost, they are on their way. Look how obedient they are. I don't hear them doing any questions, do you? Because I'm sure they had them. Like, what in the world's happening here? Um, what do you mean, why do we have to go into the city? Um, you know, what are we going to do there? And when is this going to happen? I mean, yeah, I can come up with a zillion questions, but I hear no questions. This is what shows that they changed because they obey the instruction. They don't have to like it, understand it, or whatever. Jesus said it. And all they did, look, verse 52, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple. Doesn't sound like they're hiding, does it? Doesn't it sound like they're at a distance. They're at the temple continuously. They're waiting there. They're they are praising God. They don't care who is listening. Because they know. They are sure They have a story. They stay continuing at the temple praising God. And so after this whole study of Luke, what what does, you know, Luke transitions into Acts because now, Theophilus, do I ever have more to tell you about the Acts of the apostles after they heard this and they were commissioned they were sent out? Do I have stories for you? So it just continues on. But right now, Accomplishing this book, you can't help but see and know and believe. You just can't help but, it's so clear and I just pray with all my heart as I did every week that no matter what the lesson was that I tried like Luke in Luke chapter 1 you know when he said Theophilus you know I didn't actually see it with my eyes and, but I researched it and I tried my best to know it because I want you Theophilus to know that every word that we're going to go through is the truth I hope you see that that's what we did since September that every word, we went through every word, and I did my best to research, to investigate, to try to even look up in dictionary in case we didn't know the meaning of words, that we would believe that every word and every lesson, instruction that we heard, it's the truth. This is how we want to live our life. Heavenly Father, I don't know what more to say. You have said it all. And now, may we take these words and these stories, and even in the course of this summer, when we really don't know what to study, if we if we if we just really know we need to read something, Father, may we go back to this beautiful story of Luke, because he made sure that every word was true, or he wanted to put it down, and we know that every word is true because it's it's in the scriptures. It's it's your words coming through Luke. But Lord, it, just, it, it was so, so real. It was so personal. You made things clear in familiar stories that we thought we knew from Sunday school. And you made them real in our hearts. I pray every one of us can say it was worth every, every Tuesday night. It was worth every study when I would open up and read it every day. It was worth those simple 10 questions. It was worth it because it got me to believe. And that belief turned into change. Father, may we have a story. Just like Fanny wrote. May we, like the disciples turned into apostles now, they're going to tell their stories. And Father, our story, even though we didn't see it actually happen, we do see the change in our life. And so may we be so excited and really not at all fearful of what people think, that we will dare make sure that our lives so shine That others can't see. There's no other explanation, but it's our relationship with Jesus because He is real. His word is truth. Because all we have to do is look in the mirror. Father, we again thank you and praise you for what you did in our hearts and lives. And we're not done. We'll continue on until you stop us. But Lord, we know that you love when we study. And that's what we want. We want to please you in any way because you are worth it. In Jesus' name, amen.